I don't know the exact sequence. You're but you're a better historian than I am. We'll see. But um, like really properly using projectile firepower, mm-hmm. uh, kicked in like sort of around and maybe even during World War One. I. I love that this is our what we're looking forward to podcast. But then we got to set the <laughs> stage here, right? If that means we're gonna we're way better off today than we were yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. talk about things that we think are exciting for next year what is exciting well first off i mean before we look forward let us look back it's mm. been a rough year not a great year for technology in the popular mind in the popular mind you know it got ahead of us well so things that seemed sensible in 2008 like look we can track everything look at that that's crazy. We can we can see what people are looking at on the internet in real time. Also, I mean, I think there's been a just a level of optimism around oh, like, you yeah. know, we're going to make it easier, you know, connecting the world, make the world a better place, et cetera, et cetera. And you put these tools out there and... Uh, I have a point to make here. It's actually, I think it's a relevant point, which is that if you look at old, the leaders of things like the Bell system, okay, so the old days, real old days, yeah, before us. What they talked about was about preserving the service and their good union team members going out in the snow to make sure that you had your phone line. And it wasn't global connectivity. It wasn't we're going to bring everybody together. It was about you. Right. You pay and you use our service and we are, we are the swift-footed messengers that will get your voice heard on the telephone line when you want to call your sister in the middle of a snowstorm and make sure that your niece and nephew are okay. Well, you said it. It's a service. That's right. And it's, it's a, it, I mean, we're talking in the context of the photocopy machine. And we, we're now on year 15 or so of everyone talking about the global village and we're going to bring everyone together and knit everyone together. And the, it's very fair when you look at human history and also recent human history to say, what does that get you? What do you get when you knit everyone together into one giant screaming telecom mass as opposed to enabling lots and lots of conversations? If you look at history, and I say that in the broadest sense possible, it's been pretty messy, pretty consistently. You put a lot of people together, often the outcome is, sometimes the outcome's great. Yeah, but sometimes it's, we figured out how to generate energy from water. That means we need to kill the t- one town over. Yeah, you need to right. kill everyone. That we happens. will kill everyone. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to either charge money for it or kill you. This is tricky, right? You get the, like, well, our arrows are, are really pointy. And then you go, the other name, yeah, you're right. The next town over might be making pointy arrows too. So we should kill them before they get pointy arrows. And I don't know the exact sequence. You're, but you're a better historian than I am. But really properly using projectile firepower mm-hmm. kicked in like sort of around and maybe even during World War One. I. I love that this is our what we're looking forward to podcast. But then we got to set the stage here, right? <laughs> it, that means we're gonna we're way better off today than we were yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, the reaction was shit. We're this. We're never gonna be able to aim with this thing, not mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. right? But man, it's good. Yeah. And so if we line up like eighty of these. We can pretty much kill everything. On yeah, the other it's side. gonna be bad on those other turns. It's gonna be, and it's one of the most grotesque, ghastly human events. Right. Because the tool, the technology, 
We weren't ready for it yet. Yeah. We were, I mean, in, a, in the context of war, optimistic about how it was going to be just serving our purposes and not really causing too much pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. It took probably another 30, 40 years to better refine it and not say, hey, there's one soldier in the whole town to kill all the, citi- all the uh, civilians. And today, I mean, it's still grotesque in its own special way, but we do have much more accurate capabilities so that the moral calculation around war is a little sometimes different. With the, sometimes with the mouse, they click the wrong icon, and, and that, uh, that can be really hard on a village overseas. But Or, or an early send. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, same thing. They're like, ooh, <laughs> wow, that was supposed to be yellow house, not blue house. Right. Oh, boy. I think we, we just did a lot of stuff. We built these really open-ended platforms, and they got away from us. And we were a little too optimistic with how humans work. Do, well, this is does, the, techno, does technology surprise me? No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm I impressed. Mean, I, I think too. You know, you talk to people from the giant, giant platforms, and bless them, they are in a world that is all inclusive. And I, I can see that happen because we work at a small company, we run it, and it can feel like it's our whole world some days. I, I think there's that, and I think there. Look, here's the thing. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of people that are pretty, are, are free, you know, doing a lot of sort of self-evaluation, but man, they have a lot of stock. Yeah, that's right. No, no. I mean, there's... <laughs> that's um... real. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, we could take this one of two ways, right? We either can say, okay, you know what? 2019 is just sort of accepting the fact that we're all doomed. Or yeah. is there, I mean, give me, give me, cheer me up here, Paul. We use, I just use the World War One analogy. Well, you got to help me out. First of all, we're going to see with technology... As we know, in 2019, there's just more. There's going to be more. Like walk, oh, like eight be, more revelations? Well, well, there's that, right? Yeah. There'll be more. First of all, there'll be, there'll be more hard drives. There'll be more cloud services. Yeah. There'll be more uh, apps that are released and yeah. more web things. Google. Can I throw out a headline? Yeah, what's Times your headline? headline? February 7th, 2019. Mm. Investigation reveals that Mark Zuckerberg was in your house two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> we used to feel this yeah this is the big one this is because that thing by which i mean facebook and whatsapp and instagram and who i don't even know what else they own became the dominating president it, it they sought to define what the internet and technology would be to everyone in the world and they achieved that goal this year i think that next year here's the thing facebook is an enormous platform that's very very successful it's also got whatsapp and instagram for many people, it is the internet, and it's where they communicate and talk to their friends. And view it as the internet. They view it as the internet. And you're not going to just button this up. This is going to be a continual negotiation. I think it will end with some compliance on, on Facebook's side, a lot of a more transparency, hopefully, and probably government regulation. Like That's how this resolves, whether that takes a year or longer. You know, one of the key components of, of, of a crime is intent like yeah you can be negligent well this is what you can be reckless what got fuzzy this year is intent i mean do we have this sort of cabal of just sinister people sitting around a big boardroom table no i think you have something so big and people with very ambitious moonshot goals and the tools to do things that are bad for society indirectly and when you add all that up, you get something that's pretty dangerous. And it doesn't even know how to police itself, and it doesn't even know what it did. 
It's like if somebody took your brain and put another brain in and that brain ran around in your body and then you, you come back and they're like, they put your brain in. They're like, what happened? Like, I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I think that's right. I, I think, I think they overestimated their ability to see the whole picture. Right? Well, everybody they underestimated the power of the thing. I think there's probably some law or something, but everybody, you know, there's the Dunning Kruger effect and all this stuff. Everyone assumes that they are an ethical genius, including you and me. You can be successful and still be ethical. We couldn't be in business unless this was the primary conversation. Like, this is very important to both of us. That, yes. that I want, I want to earn that respect and I want to feel that I am a, a, that I'm adding something to the world. That's important, right? Yes. But if you came here and you sat with a dental pick and went through every decision we've ever made, you would find some stuff where you'd be like, that was pretty self-serving, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, and so like the dental picks are out. Yeah. That's and, real. And that's real. And, and what you're finding is that that self-image of we're going to connect everyone in the world and it's going to be beautiful and it's going to be wonderful. And then, yeah, we broke some eggs along the way, one of them being Myanmar, but we broke some eggs, but, you know, we're still making a hell of an omelet. And people were yeah. like, I don't want eggs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want hash browns today. Yeah. And, and it just doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good. And it sucks because everybody thought that they were saving the world. And then it actually turns out that they might've been destroying it. And no one, there are very few tools in culture. It's not like you can go read a book on like, Hey, you thought you were saving the world, but you destroyed it. Well, but they also, they gave the world this thing and there was an optimism about how the world works. Oh, making and the truth stuff is, is wonderful. And making stuff is wonderful and empowering others is wonderful. But the thing is when you empower others, you give them power. Right. And, and it turns out that some, yeah, they do, they do use it to organize the, the charity function. Mm-hmm. But many use it to wield their agenda, and their agenda is often very biased because it's their own and their own perspective and their own their own biases and and, and the you like. You know what's tricky too, right? Is that the it doesn't matter ninety nine good acts, but one pretty, one that is indirectly or directly really negative. The ninety nine get forgotten because that is just how humans are. We don't, and that's not an excuse. It's just if you drop poison into the water supply. People forget the water. <laughs> they focus True. on the poison. Honestly, and look, you're a media guy also. It's kind of boring. Yeah. The hot mess of people throwing shit at each other yeah, it's very is what people stare at. Very much. The fact that 80 yeah. out of the 90 invitees to a charity function showed up is just boring. No, it's right. And, and, and what's interesting is a good fist fight at the corner. I mean, that's real. I want to draw another parallel. When are we going to talk about the good stuff that's happening? Well, we think we can get there. Our founding fathers, Paul, could have written like a two-pager that said, you, you know, human beings intrinsically are good people and just all of you get along and just make sure that you pay taxes so everybody, you know, takes care of each other. I love the right? two-pager. Just like Thomas two-pager? Jefferson in yeah. Google Docs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they actually had, I mean, the way we're structured, it's like, well, okay, you got to put a piece over there to balance that out over here and just make sure this guy doesn't get out of control. Mm-hmm. And so put a piece of control over here. So the checks and balances are, in my view, if people are so optimistic about the human being, you know, nature, human nature and this, it's actually a deeply, deeply cynical framework. It's very suspicious. It's very suspicious because the power and money and greed kick in. And so how do you balance that out, right? And so they, you know, lifetime appointments in the Supreme Court, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Hey, Rich. Yes, Paul. 
there's a lot of really interesting things that are happening in technology next year and constantly yeah and we try to keep up on them we try to build systems that are really stable that are going to be in it for the long haul but we also try to make sure that if something new is happening out there and it's going to save you a lot of money and time we try to stay on it yep and so that kind of defines our culture and we really want to hear from people we want to hear from people who want to work here and we want to hear from people who want to work with us we have a great team of engineers and designers and product managers and we can build just about anything and frankly we've been tested on that in the last couple of years and we've come up pretty well we've built entire email clients we've built financial trading systems we've built unusual forms of authentication and login for giant organizations like really tricky stuff uh, yep. educational platforms and platforms is the big word there so if you need anything get in touch with postlight Hello at postlight.com. So tying this back into the future of technology, Paul, especially in 2019, mm-hmm. are there some good things happening? Will there be some good things happening? Well, we're going to see the first 5G networks. That'll be pretty cool. Okay, so this is a good point. Tech, raw tech, unapplied. There's, it just keeps marching. On. Oh yeah, the process. It just keeps going. More processors on a core, faster computers. I mean, your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a Google Pixel three. Oh yeah, it's going to be able to report what I'm doing to China five times faster. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, we're going optimistic now. Okay. Turn it around. Uh, I mean, you took a picture. We were in a bar. Yeah, and I it took was a picture dark. at night. You take pictures and they look great. It was kind of terrifying. Well, That's so because, by the way, when you took that picture, someone in China touched it up in Photoshop and sent it back to you. Possibly phone. true. And then, then they save it. And then they that's how they build the profile. The thing that is real, machine learning is real. Machine learning creating interesting new consumer experiences because that's what that night mode is. Isn't that still tied to... Taking my data, data and making like you no, know that's a tied, coleslaw out of it. That's tied to taking ninety photos in a fast sequence and then using the little bit of motion in the camera and connecting it to a giant machine learning model and saying, "Hmm, this is what they're intending to do," and turning and enhancing certain parts and very very quickly and suddenly okay. you have a really good picture. So great images. Great images, different kinds of search experiences, new okay. just new stuff, like new ideas okay. and weirdness is happening out there and right. that's fun. Right. You know what I would say about machine learning is that all through the history of computing as like a pop culture thing, like not the earliest days but say the last 30 years. The operating system was your core interface to the silicon. Like you you buy this device and it, it can do something. And what we put on it is an operating system and software. And that's the space between you and the computer is filled up with the operating system. And that's how you access the computer. Machine learning kind of gets in there in the middle. And it's a new space in between where you're feeding its signal and it's using the silicone and it's coming back out, and it's using the network sometimes too. And it's coming back out with data and responses. It's not, you used to be you would move your mouse and you know you would say enhance or night mode or whatever, but now it kind of figures stuff out as you go along. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there is any kind of new third space, it's been 40 years, Yeah, is very, very interesting. Okay. Is that 2019? I think it's going to be, that's like the next five years. I'm pretty sure machine learning applications are the next five years. Okay. At least. How do, uh, give me a neutralizer for everything that's happening in social media. Well, there's always the argument that 
I don't know, conversations, podcasts, people talking to one another. Conversations are terrible. We've seen that. This is bad. Podcasts are good. Podcasts are going to have a big moment next year. That's real. Regulation? (sighs) Does it get really positive and optimistic once it's regulated? No. No, you can't fix people. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Why didn't Pinterest go to shit? And why didn't Etsy go to shit? They were really locked into a certain form. Okay. You know, like Etsy. First of all, I think Etsy always had really good community moderation. If you show up with a lot of swastikas at Etsy. Pause there. Moderation. Yeah. Community moderation. I think you don't have a choice. We have none of that on the platforms today that are causing chaos. Yeah, not really. I mean, mean, they've reached a scale where they can't do it. That's the problem. You have like checking for pornography. Right. But it's not about like. Is that what's needed? Probably. You know, you you just, you need forward looking people who are like, hey, don't do that. Is, is the internet part of a civil society? Well, obviously now, yes. Yes. Social in media. In fact, it's in, in, in a key sort of system. It, it's, it drives civil society. Twitter right. drives how the media interacts with... I mean, it's like everything yeah. is connected. Facebook is it's a huge part of a civil society. It defines family and community for a lot of people. Um, it's connected to education. Like, it's, it's infinite. So we have all kinds of regulations and rules about how things well, they're work. coming. So what choice do you have? Like it feels it happens so fast. And I think also the ethos of tech is so anti-regulation that it feels almost impossible. Yeah. But I, I think, I think numerous red lines have been crossed. Well, it always, it feels really impossible. And then one day that one congressman sits down with somebody and is like, we're going to do it this way. And yeah. they go, yeah, okay. And then suddenly the law is passed and it, it suddenly it's possible. Yeah. So, and a good example there is that uh, pro-Nazi speech has never been allowed on Twitter in Germany because Germany bans pro-Nazi speech. Period. Yeah. And so when Twitter wanted to expand and succeed in that market, it had no choice. Right. Okay, Paul. So, yes. so far, you know, we're looking ahead and like, hey, what's what's good, positive stuff coming in tech? And we ended up frankly, explaining remedy. No, but I'll tell you, right? frankly... Uh, a mature government involvement in tech would be a wonderful thing. Very positive. Well, is there anything happening? It's, it's this government. Is there ha- anything happening yeah. out there that's just positive, like just ground up and it doesn't need government to tell it to behave itself in tech? Everything's getting cheaper and faster. But you know, you know what's a killer here is that it's really hard to launch new things. I think this is what I'm struggling with. Like, because Facebook and Twitter and everybody else are kind of the conduits for broadcasting new information and new ideas, there's just so let's say I wanted to start a not for profit and get the word out. I make my website, I accept donations. Now I have a horrible struggle ahead of me. How much money am I going to spend on Facebook? What kind of events am I going to do? Do I promote tweets on Twitter? Like there used to be more free flow and more chance to play and kind of hack around. But you couldn't get to this level of broadcast. You couldn't hit tens of millions of people efficiently. Right. Mm-hmm. And now we've got that. And that maybe that's a really good thing when it all when when the final reckoning is done. But it's just hard because everything is harder to do. The scale's bigger. Things take a long time. But that said, the tooling's wonderful. You can build more software faster than you ever could before. Right. You know, programming languages are great. Hard drives are cheap. I mean, if you wanted to go build something. You can go do it. Oh, my God. So there's opportunities to innovate. There are drones and there are cameras and everything is... I mean, have you ever been on the website Crowd Supply? No. Magical. It's hardware. It's like a Kickstarter, but for the nerdiest things. 
Mm. So a Linux system that runs on the RISC-V open source chip or a network storage device that runs all open software and you can plug little disks into it. And wow, this is really nerdy. It's really nerdy. It's really People are making and distributing and selling thousands of units of electronic devices that are for a very niche audience, but they're finding that audience. I mean, that's great, right? Like there's somebody still hacking tech out there. Not just somebody. I mean, it's it's gotten cheaper and easier and there's distribution and there are frameworks and, you know, crowd supply is pretty positive. It takes a very modest cut. It is designed to help people with big, exciting technology ideas, make them real and help them find an audience. Right. Like I'm sure that if we dig into the, the forums, there will be 700 things that are bad about crowd supply, but... <laughs> Something out there has been hacked to read yeah, credit I mean, cards. Maybe this is maybe this is the positive version of of our world is one where you're able to make interesting things and find a medium sized audience. Yeah, maybe we've internalized the giant platform needs too much. Right. I don't know, Rich. I mean, who's doing good stuff? All right. So here, this is really cool. Now, I, you know, drones are cool. <laughs> they are. They're damn cool. I will say, though, every time someone sells a startup, they get in the drones. They're cool. (laughs) They are. They're just cool. It's like, okay, I made a startup. You can now manage your accounting a little bit better. But, man, now I can fly. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to fly. I'm a bird. It's why people used to have falcons. (laughs) Right. It's it's a modern-day falcon, right? So there is a startup out there called Zipline. Okay. And what Zipline does is get used drones to get medicine to remote places Mm. now that sounds well that's weird why would you do that well everybody heard about the whole amazon thing right like we're going to deliver the package through the drone through the drone to your front step Mm. etc etc what these guys are doing is they're using drone technology to get vaccines to get blood supply for transfusions um, to places that don't have either roads or facilities or even runways so planes can land to bring them supplies right uh, and they're using these drones uh, to get the stuff over there mm-hmm. now i don't know a lot about this company i think it's a great story and i think what's most interesting about it is this probably didn't come up you know as a product of three guys in a cocktail bar in new york city saying i've got the next billion dollar idea no that's right right and that's incredibly reassuring in light of just everything that's going on because what a lot of this is is people lose perspective entirely because they were so driven by money. You know it's a huge deal in in really remote communities is the ability to charge devices. Like I remember meeting a guy who was, he was affiliated either with the State Department or the UN but it was like he was getting solar charging stations so that small-scale entrepreneurs you could come and charge your phone. Yep. Because it was hard to get stable electricity. So cool. And the person who was going to thrive there was kind of like already usually had a little bit of a hustle. Right. And they had to pay for it. So it's like a couple bucks a week and they would get the charging station. They would charge people. And it was a way to kind of get stuff moving. But everybody needs their phone. Right. And, and it, it, you know, its motivations are just so different than... I'm going to conquer anything. I think that this is a goal for me. I think that in the course of next year, I would like to learn more about how people who are not 
wealthy Westerners are using these technologies. Like I need, yeah. you get hints of it and you read an article about how some cool thing is happening in Indian telecom or mm-hmm. how, you know, your expectations of smartphones should be smashed because this is what's really happening. And yeah, but it all comes filtered. I need to figure out what's happening. Yeah. We've had some work at Postlight actually deal with stuff where the apps had to be very low data um, right. and be very efficient because the phones weren't super modern. And it was one of our more fascinating projects because <clears throat> these are problems we're often told not to worry about. Everybody's got a great phone and everybody's got you know unlimited data. Maybe this is my goal. I think my goal is to figure out the world and to realize I live in a bubble. I, I try to be sensitive, but I live in a in the greatest imperial city in the greatest imperial country in the world. And, and I'm, you I'm in have, Rome right now. You are and, and and you're not some laborer in Rome. Oh no. I'm in the I'm in the I mean I'm not in Silicon Valley, but I am in the largest growth industry basically in history. Right. I'm thriving in it. Yeah. You know, Rich, we'll see what happens with this podcast after editing, but I I think a, a good goal America has really gotten obsessed with itself. The world has. Yeah. I mean, we are real. I'm looking in the mirror too much with technology. I want to think about bigger things than just the apps and what Facebook's doing. There's there's things that are happening that are way outside of my understanding. God knows China, too. China is doing things with the That's internet. That's another we'll never, series of podcasts. You know, I'm going to have to go subscribe to some newsletters here. And oh, boy. <laughs> get my passport renewed and do all kinds of stuff. But in the meantime, I'm going to be right here at 101 Fifth Avenue. And if you need to talk to me or to Rich, you can send an email to hello at postlight.com. Yes. And I can very proudly say that we do a lot of work for nonprofits. That is very true. We like to hear about their Done problems. Good work for them. Yep. And we're going to be here all next year figuring this out with you, uh, the, the, the listener. We really appreciate people sending us emails, asking us questions. So... Hello at postlight.com and let's go. Let's make 2019 matter. And if you've got stories out there, I'm gonna get my passport. It's a little more positive, a little more optimistic, then share. <laughs>